Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Man, there's nothing like a really good teammate. Helmets off is on. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. I'm your host, Scott Mitchell. And of course, uh, we've got a fun show for you today. We're going to talk about who was my favorite teammate of all time. Played with some amazing players, uh, with some of the best of all time. And I played with some that weren't necessarily the best. But a lot of, lot of really great relationships. And uh, I'm going to share with you who number one is. Of course, the Final Four is going on right now. But um, would you rather go to a Final Four or would you rather go to a New Year's Six Bowl game? Oh, that's a good question. I have my answer for it. And then the old Combine NFL Draft is coming up soon. And we got Pro Days. We got no Combine. What, what is the most important thing? What do you need to get out of all this uh, analysis and pre-draft this and that and and where where should you spend your where should you spend your money if you're a player? So fun show, and we appreciate you tuning in to us uh, again. Like us on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast and Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. Uh, send in your comments, comments, questions, all that good stuff, and uh, <clears throat> we'd love to hear from you. I really enjoy doing this, and uh, I've been at it for quite a while now, so it's a good thing. All right, I'm going to tell you who my final four is and who I think actually is going to win. And I'll, I'll be honest, because I actually have a team that, uh, well, they kind of messed up on me. Uh, anyways, thanks to Loyola University of Chicago. Uh, and uh, to just start with, with, the, with this whole um, March Madness, this may be the maddest March Madness that there has ever been. This is what makes this tournament so great. I'm sure some of the craziness, some of the higher seeds or lower seeds, however you want to look at it, the ones with uh, double digits behind them, those those seeds that aren't supposed to win, probably most of them, well, for sure, don't, you know, very, very few get to sweet, the Sweet 16. Not this year. Uh, a lot of, wow. A lot of head scratchers for sure. Anyways, um, so, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure with the COVID, it you, know, you couldn't tell, um, and maybe get a really good analysis. I'm sure some games canceled or whatever you have. But wacky, wacky, wacky March March Madness. So uh, here, here's my here is my final four. Okay. And then I'll tell you who, who I believe is going to win the national championship. All right, ready for this? My final four was Gonzaga, still around. Michigan, still around. Baylor, still around. Illinois, not around. Okay? So I believe it's going to be Baylor and Gonzaga in the final two games. And I, 
I really believe this is the year of Gonzaga. I really do. I think this is the one time this team, very deep, very talented, very well coached. They're always kind of there. They certainly um, are a product of March Madness in that they started out many moons ago as this, um, you know, Cinderella story. And now, and now they're considered, you know, one of the odds on favorite. Anyways, um, I, I just feel like it, it's certainly their year. But my goodness, there have just been some massive spoilers. You have the Pac-12 that uh, has four of the five teams still left. I, I shouldn't say that now because when you hear this, who knows when, when it will actually air. But uh, the Pac-12 that was kind of considered a soft conference, uh, eh, <laughs> not so soft at ACC, which is, you know, kind of historically the best conference in basketball, uh, had a lot of teams not even make it, not even show up. Your Kansases, your Kentuckys, your, a lot of these good schools. Of course, Michigan's had some success through the years, and they're they're in it. But a very weird year in basketball. So I was asked this question on my radio show, uh, KSL's Unrivaled. If you should have, uh, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a New Year's Six Bowl? Now, New Year's Six is like the Rose Bowl. Uh, it's the, the the cotton bowl, the sugar bowl, the orange bowl. Uh, it's just the you know the 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 best premier uh, games, bowl games in college football. And which one would you rather have? And for and for me, you know, to do that to go, you know, oh, I'd love to go to the Rose Bowl, or would you rather go to a Final Four in in basketball? And I'm a football guy, okay? I, I'm like, I am a football guy. And I will just tell you that I would much rather go to the Final Four as opposed to going to a New Year's Six bowl game. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Number one reason. I want to go compete for a championship. I don't care if it's football, if it's basketball, like that's the precedent for me. Like, I want to be able to say we are number one and we went out and we were number one because we beat everyone because we earned the right to be number one. And, and that's how basketball is. And they start with 64 teams and a lot of teams that would never, ever even get a sniff if it was football are out. They're gone. They're, they they don't they don't even get a chance. They the dream is killed before it ever germinates. Like you don't get to have the dream because you're never going to win. And that's just I just almost think it's un-American, quite frankly. I, I think it's you should give teams a chance at least at least of all the 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 group of five conference champions and the pack or the the uh, power five conferences have at least 12 teams, at least 12 teams in the playoff and year in and year out. Alabama was probably the best team this year, but there've been times when you go, yeah, but they, but when they played, they've been the best team all year and then they lost. And, and, and there are teams like up at Cincinnati this year or BYU uh, might have, have given some of these teams better a better run for their money than 
Ohio State did ultimately, or or really three of the four teams, Clemson, Notre Dame. I mean, it's you know they they were not playing very inspiring football to me. But it's all subjective, even to get four teams there. So from the competitive side of it, from winning a championship, I would take the Final Four. Here's another here's another reason why, and 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 I'm not sure what's going on, but bowl games are kind of passe right now. I mean, if there was if there was ever a time, and I think I think the college football playoffs has kind of made it that way a little bit, where you go, yeah, um, yeah this isn't, you know. It, it's it's token consolation. You get a lot of times bad matchups. You get teams that are uninspired. Like yeah, we're we're just here, whatever. We don't care. We're not even gonna try hard. We're shoot. We're bringing hardly practice. And and so you get you get bad matchups. You get uninspired teams, and it equals like kind of bad bowl games. I mean, I mean the Rose Bowl typically is pretty good. I mean typically. But it, you know, it's it, it. Just a lot of bowl games have lost their luster, and and so you win the Rose Bowl. And what does that mean? Just a Rose Bowl champion, champion of what? The Rose Bowl? I mean, I mean, really, it's like uh, we're the Fiesta Bowl champion, or we're the Orange Bowl champion. Okay. Now, when they tie that into the playoffs, then the game becomes more meaningful but still it's not you know it's it's that happens you know every once in a while um and so so there's just kind of this attitude about bowl games and on top of it a lot of players are like i'm not playing in the bowl game why i don't i don't i'm not going to risk and there have been players who got injured in these bowl games and and it impacted their pro career so why should i go do that why should i for what to win the Rose Bowl. So we get what for that? A trophy? I mean, I know, I know it's and you're you're the best what? Best team in the Rose Bowl? You know, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything on a national stage, doesn't mean anything uh about winning your con I mean, you won your conference to get there. And it's like, you know, being a Pac-12 champion, I would say has more meaning than being the Rose Bowl champion. Or or the Big Ten champion, and because it's like okay, you're the Big Ten champion, you beat the Pac-12 champion, and people go, yeah, okay, Pac-12, it's not a great conference. You didn't play the SEC, you didn't play the Big 12, you just played one. You know, it's just two conferences getting together out of all the teams in college football. So, so it just it just doesn't mean much. The players don't care about it, and I just feel that. Uh, I want to play for something. And even though I'm a great, you know, I love football and love college football and pro football, I mean, I love it all, but I want to play for championships. And it's so ludicrous that that's, this doesn't happen in college football. Uh, I'm going to take a break. We come back. Um, who was my best teammate of all time? You're going to hear it here first on Helmet Talk. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Helmets off. Scott Mitchell. Uh, man, I, I, I think about my career, which lasted 12 years in the NFL. 
And, and of course I played four years in college and four years in high school. And, and during my time in the NFL, one spring I played in a developmental league, world league, which was awesome. One of the funnest times I've ever had in my life playing football was playing in the world league, met some great guys, you know, that were, that were wonderful. There's always the really funny guy, like, you just always have a really, really funny teammate. And, but to me, the funniest guy ever was Tony Saragusa, who I played with, uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. And I, I, you know, I, I was uh, traded to the Ravens and went in the locker room for the first time. They had my, my locker. Uh, and I was right next to Tony Saragusa. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to be next to some defensive guy whatever you know I didn't know Tony at the time and uh, and I moved and and after meeting him I really regretted that my locker was not next to his because that in and of itself would just be an adventure and some people kind of you know he rubs wrong but man I really got along with Tony Sergis he was a good dude funniest guy I've ever been around and and really probably from a social standpoint, we only played one year together. I hung out with him more in one year than probably, I don't know. I don't know if it was any of my, my other teammates, but man, we had a fun time, a fun time. And he was just a character. I mean, he was just a character. Uh, there have been a few people in my life who swear and it sounds cool and it sounds normal and it sounds like that's the way it should be. One of them was my grandpa. In fact, I think my grandpa invented a few swear words and certainly invented some phrases that, you know, are just classic. And then there's Tony Saragusa. And he he could swear at his wife, he could swear, he could swear at himself. It didn't matter. It just sounded normal. Sounded so normal. Uh, so he's a funny guy. Not not my my greatest teammate of all time, but certainly a guy that that was a lot of fun. And, and it was really cool to play. Uh, Jameis Winston recently got very emotional about his time he spent with uh, Drew Brees and how, how much it meant to him to, to be around a guy that he, you know, respected, idolized, and, and to have that up-close uh, connection and, and to watch this guy every day, how, you know, how he thinks, how Drew Brees thinks, how he – how he uh, prepares every day, how he goes to practice every day. I mean, just everything. Just, and just watching, observing, and going, man, this guy, um, you know, is awesome. <laughs> and I, I saw that. I mean, I got – I was fortunate enough to play with Dan Marino for four years. We were on the same team. And, and to be next to Coach Shula and, to, and to, you know, every day. So I, that was a special treat as a, as a teammate. It was unbelievable. And it wasn't like until later I go, oh, yeah. I mean, thinking back on it now, I remember being in the moment. going, <laughs> This is like pinching myself, just going, okay, this is, uh, this is pretty cool here. I'm, uh, I'm in this room and, and with these people. And uh, it, was, it was quite amazing. So uh, really, really appreciated the great players. Barry Sanders, phenomenal, just phenomenal talent. So, so good. And then, and then of course, Rod Woodson, I played with Rod Woodson, who's Hall of Famer. 
Jonathan Ogden's a Hall of Famer. Ray Lewis is a Hall of Famer. All these guys were great players. Marino is Hall of Famer. Barry Sanders, Hall of Famer. Uh, just truly a remarkable talent. And, uh, uh, you know, some other guys, even with the Cincinnati Bengals, just some, some, uh, just some fun guys, uh, you know, go hang out with on a, on a Friday afternoon early when we have an early afternoon and just, just some really quality, quality people. But the, the teammate with, without a doubt, by, by far the best teammate I ever had was Herman Moore. And, and it was, it was that way from a standpoint of, look, we're, we're both from very different parts of the country. We're two different races. We have different religious views, social, but we just connected and we clicked. And to this day, I mean, still, I just have that, that connection with, with Herman and, uh, I, I, you know, I really like, um, I, I, it's almost hard to explain the on-field chemistry that we had. And, and, and it, it was a real thing. And if you don't believe me, go ask Herman Moore this, and he will, he will tell you this. And this is, this is the truth. There was, and I don't know what it was. I mean, I think I kind of have an idea, but um, we would be in a game at the line of scrimmage, I'm calling out the cadence and I look out to where Herman is and we just kind of give this look like, yep, yep, okay, got it. Total adjustment, total change, or this is what we're doing, or hey, I'm coming to you right here, whatever it was, okay, whatever it was. It was, it was, uh, um, it, and it was never spoken, but it was like felt. Like, like, and I, and it was, it was real as rain and it happened all the time, all the time. And it was so amazing. Uh, and, and, and just a remarkable receiver and so much fun to throw the football to. And Herman was unique because he was so tall and he actually liked to be covered, to be open, which is, you know, that's pretty cool, you know, or unusual. Cause he, he was just so much bigger. He could, he could just out muscle another defender and so uh so i just i just you know had this had this connection to to herman that uh it's hard to put into words and i don't know that i can put into words but then um there was this honesty where where we could talk openly about tough issues um we could joke about life and in our circumstances and, and it wasn't offensive. Uh, and it was, uh, it was kind of a healthy way of, you know, not taking each other too seriously. And, uh, and, and, and that was fun. And I, and I appreciated that having that real conversation and, uh, and, you know, he's a guy that had my back and vice versa. And so, so it really, it really was, uh, it wasn't even close as far as, and, you know, and I wish and hope that anyone that played sports, professional sports, whatever it is, had the opportunity or has the opportunity to have that kind of connection with a teammate. Uh, and I know I, you know, I watched Dan Marino and Mark Duper and Mark Clayton and those guys just had this amazing 
chemistry and connection and and I got it I mean I understood you know how that worked and so it was you know it was a special thing to be able to experience not only on the field but you know as friends off the field all right gonna take another break we come back I will tell you what matters most about the combine about pro days about bowl games for these players getting ready for the draft you're listening to Helmets Off. We'll be back in just a second. Okay, sports fans, final segment of the day. The draft is coming up and all this stuff. Pro days are happening. There is no combine, so pro days are kind of worked into a combine style of, of event. Uh, they did have uh, the Senior Bowl. So of that statement right there, I want you to think for just a second about what I just said. Of all the professional sports leagues, the NFL went off as planned. Played every single week, played every single game, did not hold preseason. They were very adamant about uh, COVID protocols and testing and all that stuff. But they went all the way through and and got a Super Bowl and all that stuff and did not have issues and said, you know, we're, we're going full mac daddy on this thing next season now they did have the senior bowl and they are allowing pro days but the one thing they're not having is an in-person nfl combine now i ask you with the nfl doing everything as scheduled i guarantee you that if the if the combine was that vital that important that meaningful the NFL would have had it. Not only that, I mean, the NFL goes, we're going to have our draft normal as planned this year. So the most important time of the year is evaluating players. And you, you get these quarterbacks and you go, yeah, I'm not going to throw in the, at the combine. Yeah, wide receiver, I'm not going to run at the combine. I'm going to run routes at the combine. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Okay, the reason being, all the combine is about is it's a, it's a medical and a psychological evaluation. It's a let's look under the hood and make sure the engine's okay. And let's see who is athletic or not. It tells you nothing, nothing about how good a football player is. And, and they've had people that this wonderlick test. They've had people that done so poorly on that and their names are Dan Marino doesn't mean diddly some of the fastest guys in the in the combine cannot play some of the guys that can jump the highest cannot play Tom Brady with his ugly body becomes the greatest player of all time there's so many players that you know I mean their first round draft choices were an indication of successful careers you look at every draft, just go historically look at every draft and look at the Hall of Famers in those drafts. Maybe one, two, three, four, five, maybe sometimes. I mean, just some years it's just, you know, the, the Marino's year there, you know, there was a decent, there are three or four quarterbacks that are Hall of Famers from that first round pick. The, the NFL combine is about physical ability. And it will, it will improve your draft stock, but it ain't going to prove that whether you play football or not. Now, if you really want to make a move, 
Like if you if you really want to make a move, then go to the senior bowl. If there's if there's a place where you can really um, get your you know make make your name make a break, uh, really jumpstart whatever is the is the senior bowl, because you're coached by NFL coaches for a week, so they see you in a meeting, they watch you at practice, they watch you in a game. It's not just this you know here's you know hundreds of bodies, and we're going to run forties. It, it just doesn't give you a real indication of, of who a person is. When you get in live competition against live opponents uh, where you kind of have to react and show some football savvy, that's where you find out where guys are. Of anything you can do. A bowl game, senior bowl, it's really the senior bowl. you gotta, you got to go to the senior bowl. Now, if you're like Trevor Lawrence, you don't have to go to the Senior Bowl. There's there's a few guys that just they just don't have to go, and and so it's not it's not it's not significant, and it's not important. Now these pro days, it's a little different because they're more intimate, and and it's it's working more on a one-on-one situation, uh, with with you know in in uh, with people you're familiar with. So there's a better probability of really showcasing what you can do. Whereas, as you know, the NFL combine is like a meat market, you know, it's just mass produced, mass rerun. There's, you know, there's no, you know, no room for personality. It's, it's a little harder to really find out if, if a guy has football sense. But on a pro day, different story. So, if you want to get drafted high, make sure you're in the best possible shape you can. Go through all the tests that you're going to run at the combine, the shuttles, and all of those things. Work hard, you know, throwing all the different throws you're going to ask you to throw as a as a quarterback and wide receiver. You know, wide receivers, DBs, they just want you to run fast. Really, they want you to run fast. Jump high, run fast. All we care about. Uh, so it's really, really important to show that athleticism if you're going to be in an athletic position, you know, linebacker, running back, DB, you know, all the skill positions, really important. Uh, where you get drafted means absolutely nothing. Where, meaning what round you got drafted in, means absolutely nothing to the ultimate success you have in the NFL. I know Hall of Famers that weren't even drafted. And, uh, and, and it's, it's just about turning it on on game day, making plays, being a difference maker when it counts. That's all it is. I say that like that's easy. Some guys it is, some guys it isn't. Okay, uh, that's the show. Helmets Off is now off. Thank you for tuning in. And until then, well, we'll see you then. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. 
images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.